Are you in a neurodiverse relationship? Well, I've been in one for 30 years. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism, a podcast for anyone living with a partner on the spectrum. I've got tips, techniques, and lots of funny stories that will help you navigate and understand the sometimes confounding behaviors of your neurodiverse mate. Listen in and find out what Touching the Tism is all about. Hello. So it's been a while since uh, Bill and I did a podcast, and we just wanted to sort of explain why. So about six weeks ago, honey, wasn't it? Six weeks we've Almost been here. Almost two months now. Almost two months. We did the crazy thing of leaving Arizona and driving across country to move back to Florida. Bill was born in Florida, and I was partially raised here, and we got to discussing things and decided that this is where we wanted to retire, even though Bill is still working remotely, which is lovely. We not only moved, but I put on the wedding for my youngest son, and I hosted my grandkids and a friend and packed up my entire house all in about... Oh, I forgot. And drove out to Florida and left my car and painted my whole house. And flew back. (laughs) Yeah, and flew back. All in about uh, an eight-week period. So, yes, needless to say, the podcast got uh, put on hold. But anyway, we're back. We are unpacked. We are settled in. And I am ready to continue on the discovery journey of touching the tism. So... Today, I wanted to discuss holidays, Christmas, gift giving, and the challenges that might present for a neurodiverse couple. Christmas, the holidays, whatever it is you celebrate this time of year, it's, it can be incredibly stressful. It's supposed to be fun, but unfortunately, oftentimes... It isn't all that fun. And in your, if you're in a neurodiverse relationship, there are definitely challenges with, with that. So hopefully our stories will help you feel not alone. And uh, maybe we can have a few tips to help you navigate your own challenges during the holidays. So Before we get started, I want you to know that I love getting correspondence. I'm happy to write to you anytime that I can or help you in any way that I can. Please always feel free to write me at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com, and I will happily get back to you. And I always throw in that if you're having a difficult time sleeping or you just happen to be fascinated by irregular warfare, you can always listen to Bill's podcast, which is Chasing Ghosts. An irregular warfare podcast. And you can contact me at cgpodcast at pm.me. That is cgpodcast at pm.me. Yes. And if you just Google Chasing Ghosts and Bill Bubert, Uh, you will find lots of different ways to listen to Chasing Ghosts if you're interested in that. Because obviously one of Bill's special interests is warfare and um, history, economics. And uh, I'm sitting in his office right now staring at his extremely well-stocked 
library. And I'm here to tell you, the man is an absolute genius when it comes to that. If only you were a genius. But gen- not relationships. I was going to say, if only you were a genius when it came to women. Okay. Anyway. So, okay. Hey, honey. Welcome back. Um, so, give us your Im- initial impressions of Florida. So, greetings from Vulcan. I am so happy to have returned to Florida. There's uh, nothing I could say that I don't like. I mean, people said bugs, weather, old people. I'm fine with that, and I'm one of the old people now. Mm-mm. Yes. One thing I also forgot to mention earlier on is I've decided to do my podcast more, shall we say, organic. Not that anything was scripted before, but I had a hearty outline. And I want to be more conversational from now on and and sort of shoot from the hip. I think it lends an authenticity if I can uh, speak without being tongue-tied. And also, it kind of goes along the path however it comes out instead of being so directed because it's really good for Bill to be able to respond in his own way. And sometimes I've had to ask him to clarify things before the show or go over things because I never want him to feel picked on or disrespected because, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of comedy material here. I've got 30 years of um, stories that I could tell about Bill that are pretty funny, and at least I think they're funny. That's so uncharitable. (laughs) And sometimes he, I wouldn't say he gets upset, but he might feel like we're picking on him a little bit. And even though I'm sure you guys have your own funny stories, I the whole idea of this podcast isn't just to make fun of Bill or people who are neurodiverse. The object is to talk about what it's the experience is like and maybe come up with some tips and suggestions for you. And shoot, if you have any uh, suggestions or tips, please, goodness, feel free to write those to me because I'm not perfect and could use, still use help myself. So I just thought it would be more interesting if we had more dialogue and conversation and and less uh, scripted. So anyway, we're going to start uh, talking about the holidays and Christmas and stuff like that and tell you our experiences and hopefully you'll see yourself and in this podcast and maybe uh, some of our tips and techniques will be helpful to you or at least the things that we did to try to not kill each other. So I'm going to start with Bill asking Bill a question and this is going to be completely, you know, from the hip from from him. So, honey, how do you feel about Christmas? Notice I used the word feel. So do your best to tell us how you feel about Christmas. Well, I think it's awesome that you're allowing us to do the Jack Kerouac-style stream of consciousness vibe with this instead of the scripts, even though you do well off your scripts nonetheless, extemporaneously. I love the experience. I love... The, this time of year, so one month of the year where people are nice to each other, why can't you mm-hmm. do that the, 11, the other 11 months of the year? Right. I have some yes. fond memories of, of uh, what I call Crippus when I was a little <laughs> boy. And Lilo has a huge Rudolph collection that she has accumulated over the years, which I really enjoy that we put up every year. I like my friends and family to visit. I like my family to visit. I like the time off because 
my company is so gracious in allowing me to have a paid vacation between Christmas Eve and New Year's Day. But, you know, think about it. It doesn't make sense for a company to pay workers to be there then because they're not working. Can can um, can I redirect you a little no. bit? And uh, can you stay focused on how no. you feel about Christmas? I have nothing to say. Do your best. <laughs> Christmas makes me feel good, but there you I have go. very few feelings. Yes, yeah. we know this. Any other feelings about Christmas that you might have? Well, I love sharing Christmas with my wife. Well, there you and go. And my family, and my friends, and my cats, and, uh, and, and in my new home. I love my new home, and things are great. When you think about Christmas, how does it make you feel? Oh, my gosh. Why are you doing this? <laughs> because it's I'm like trying the, to the get the question answered. So it makes me feel good that Christmas is here. And we're going to talk about what doesn't make me feel good about Christmas. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, But basically, you could say Christmas makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay. All right. So from my side of the fence, I can tell you that Christmas makes me feel anxious. And I, I really despise that word. I think it's been way overused. Uh, I do not have anxiety. But there's a lot of mixed feelings for Christmas for me. Christmas was a very challenging time uh, for, for me when I was little. My mom had some mental health issues, and her beloved grandfather died around Christmas, and she hated it. So she made Christmas very challenging for our family because my dad loved Christmas, and my mom hated it. And so that was a really bad combination. And my dad worked really hard to give us this amazing, way over the top, like go into debt type Christmas. And as kids, we just were like, wow, you know, it was terrific. And it was the one time of year where my dad sort of made my mom behave, like try not to be yell at us or give us a hard time try to be in a good mood. I mean, sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't, but it was definitely a time where you were very uncertain how things were going to go. But you knew that my dad had worked his ass off to try to make things really nice. So you can see there was a lot wrapped up in there for me for Christmas. Well, you know, I'm long past being a child and I'm certainly not going to hold on to uh, those kind of things to let them steer the way my life is now. Thank goodness. But you can still imagine that there certainly are maybe little twinges here and there. So Bill and I, in our early life, you know, we, we get married and we're together and you're, you're trying to kind of figure out how, how, you know, how does this Christmas thing go? You know how it is when you're dating this guy and you, you're like, Ooh, you know, this is really good. And Christmas comes up and you're like, Oh God, what do I get him? You know, uh, you don't want to get like a sweater. Nothing. Get yeah. me nothing. Well, see, you know, that's, that's what he says. But ladies, especially, I'm sure you understand the, all the trepidation you have wrapped up in what do you get the new boyfriend for Christmas? I mean, if you get him something really extravagant and he didn't get you anything extravagant, is it going to feel super awkward? And When in doubt, buy a gun or ammunition. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so I'm sure you can tell that there's a lot involved emotionally with with gift purchasing. 
and certainly uh, a lot harder with Bill. So what things do um, I like? Because we talked about what does, what does Bill like? For me, I love receiving presents. Okay, you know, uh, some people think that's ridiculous. They, they think it's stupid. I, I have plenty in my life. Um, Bill makes a good living. I don't want for anything. So why would I like presents? Well, for me, it's sort of that one time of year where I feel like somebody's paid attention. Like through the year, they've heard me say something like, oh, I'd, I love solar lights for my garden. And those are kind of little things. Do I get those things for myself? Mm, sometimes. But I actually love those kind of presents because every time I go out to the garden and I see that solar light or little statue or whatever that somebody's given me, like my daughter gave me a beautiful bird bath. I brought it all the way from from Arizona to Florida, made sure it was packed very carefully, didn't want anything to happen to it because every time I go out into my garden and I see my bird bath, it makes me think of my daughter and how thoughtful she was to, to get that for me. So those presents make me feel good. Food and decorating and that sort of thing is kind of wrapped up in slave labor. You know, I love my kids, but I, I have a very large family now. And when all the kids come, it's, it's glorious and we have a great time. But I work my ass off. So a lot of the food and preparation and all that is equated with work where presence is equated with thoughtfulness. So as you can imagine, in a neurodiverse relationship, um, it's pretty hard for Bill to, to do the present thing. And there were many years where uh, things went, shall we say, awry. So I want to ask Bill, so honey, tell me, why it's so difficult maybe for you to purchase presents for your wife and um, why you don't like it. So I don't care for gifts too much because what I find is that we live a good life. I make a good life. I make a good living. All the children are out of the house. Pretty much whatever Lila wants, she gets. I find it hard to find her special things at the end of the year, but she really helps me by making lists. And because gifts aren't a priority to me, and they're a priority of her. I have to step out of my mind blindness and make sure that I service what she needs. So I've gotten better over time with giving. You gifts. have for sure. But so a famous story in our family, which can maybe show some perspective on gift giving from a neurodiverse person's point of view, is it was my birthday. And if I've told you this before, I'm sorry. But a friend was visiting, a, a male friend of Bill's, and Bill hadn't gotten home from work yet. And our friend Kevin had arrived early, and we were sitting on the couch talking, and I just mentioned that it was my birthday. So a big present comes, a big box basically comes while um, we're waiting for Bill to return from home. And I'm excited because I'm like, oh, you know, a big box. Frankly, I actually prefer small boxes, ladies, if you know what I mean. But it was a big box. And I was like, oh, I just couldn't imagine what was in it. What did Bill think of this year? So exciting. So Kevin 
imagine I'm sitting with this man who totally gets women, right? He's completely neurotypical, very romantic, Italian, you know, totally gets it as far as what women want, all this, right? And then I am, you know, married to Spock. So (laughs) Bill comes home and the box is there and uh, I'm like, can I open it? And he's like, yes. And he's very excited, you know? And I open this box, and it's a shovel. The best shovel money can buy. Right. But it's still a shovel. And I look over at Kevin, and I'm starting to tear up. And Kevin goes, oh, Lilo, I'm so sorry. And that was it. I lost it. I went into the bedroom for like, you know, two hours while I tried to compose myself so I didn't pinch Bill's head off or, or, you know, or or, uh, create a scene. And I was just mortified. Why in the world would my husband buy me a shovel for my birthday? And Bill was confounded that (laughs) that I didn't like it. But now that we know, you know, that Bill's autistic, it makes perfect sense if you look back because I'm an avid gardener. And he had put love and thought into that present. It wasn't logical to him that I would not enjoy the best shovel known to man. I mean, back then, he's lucky I didn't hit him in the head with it and his grave. But now I understand him and understand that that is actually a, a thoughtful gift from him. But also, I want to caution you that I, I wish I could say that I received that shovel with grace and appreciation, but I did not. And furthermore, later in our years, Bill went out on a limb and bought me a gold necklace with hearts on it. And one of the things that I just don't like is hearts. I think hearts and jewelry are for little girls. And I told him this several times, but unfortunately, sometimes you use that word, you know, heart, and it gets stuck in his mind, and he goes out and gets something with a heart on it. And I actually did a terrible thing and said I didn't really like it because it had hearts on it. Well, I want to caution you right now. If you receive a present from your neurodiverse partner and it isn't exactly what you would enjoy, don't say anything because I have caused myself seven levels of hell because of that necklace and because of that shovel, because oftentimes neurodiverse people become paralyzed because he's like, oh my God, you know, she, she didn't like the shovel, which is very practical. She didn't like the necklace, which was not practical at all. Very whimsical. Yes. And he, he get, they get to the point of where they don't want to do anything because they were, they feel criticized, Right. Or um, rejected by your reaction. So I want to put a corrective in here. And that's this. I wasn't paralyzed. Remember, I have an abstemious nature. I don't know whether it's part and parcel of being on the spectrum. But what I find is that if I abstain from something, that's the very best way to do it. 
if I even take part in it a little bit, it just doesn't work out. So my abstemious nature is such, oh, she didn't like the shovel. I'll never do that again. Oh, you didn't like the jewelry. I'll never do that again. Yes, and that has definitely been a problem. I think we've talked before where Bill especially has a mental file folder. And because... My memory palace. Yeah, he calls it his memory palace because he doesn't have the innate and natural intuition that neurotypical people have because he is a very serious case of mind blindness and we always joke with Bill you know hey did I hurt your feeling Uh, because he is not an emotional person in any way shape or form so he cannot relate to people that are and therefore he has a file folder to help him navigate the neurotypical world and he will pull out of that file folder comments that I have made through the years and He's like an elephant. It's really hard to get rid of that file, Um, even though you're like, cancel, cancel, delete, delete, delete. He has a really hard time uh, sifting through and editing the things that I have told him through the years that might be things that, oh, you know, uh, we're long past that. Forget that. But he can't do he can't do that. He can't edit out. Uh, the comments that I've made. So I want to caution you to be extremely careful when you receive a gift from your neurodiverse partner, because these things can be incredibly challenging and overwhelming for them because they have stacks and stacks and stacks of information that you've given them. And after a while, it just becomes a uh, confusing quagmire of um, confusion for them because they do not know how to really, they do not really know how to respond to uh, the different input that you give. So Bill, one thing I would like for you to expand upon is why is it so hard for you to purchase presence or pick out presence? Why are you so mission oriented? I guess that's another question. And um, especially when you have a person like me who's very communicative and very direct, like over communicative. Thanks, dear. I'm not exactly the person that um, I, I don't expect you to read my mind. Those days are long over. Uh, even though from the expression on his face, I guess that doesn't seem to be the case for him. But I feel like I'm very good at saying exactly what I need because I have a neurodiverse partner and I can't, you can't leave those things to chance or you'll end up being an unhappy wife. So even though I have worked hard at communicating, let's say I might drop the hint, hey, I'd really like those solar lights from the garden or those long dangly earrings. Why do you find it so challenging to get those? Because I rarely get those kinds of things. Number one, memory. You know, my memory isn't as good as it used to be. And I make lists now, whether it's on the phone or on paper, you know, I carry a notebook with me wherever I go. And if I make lists and you provide me with lists, that's huge because what happens is Inevitably, when you provide me with lists, what happens is maybe I'll run across something else that is adjacent to the list that I can pick up and surprise you with. And you know the past few holidays, you've gotten things that you didn't expect. 
Yes, which is really nice because uh, like when my daughter was young and Bill and I still didn't know what, um, you know, that he had autism, he would take Chloe shopping. And uh, so I would get little girl, little girl gifts because my daughter, my daughter picked out my stocking and my gifts, right? So that was years ago until we, you know, knew what was going on. And yes, he's done a lot better now, but you just have to understand that it, these kind of things can be very daunting for your neurodiverse uh, partner. And I think also we ought to talk a little bit about socialization during the holidays, because that's another area that can be really challenging for the neurodiverse couple. Like I'm the party girl, right? I love parties. I love throwing parties. I love going to parties. I love thinking about parties. The party always ends before I'm ready to leave. That's because you're the energizer, Bunny. Yes. I, uh, I think uh, that's another note that we should touch on as well, is that I think a lot of neurodiverse people have low energy because I think it's a complete drain for them to be out in public uh, all the time, masking and mimicking and trying to fit in and try not to be awkward and to understand and and um, to, to try to navigate other people's body language and their uh, tone of voice. It's a confusing place to be out in well, the world. To paraphrase Ernest Hemingway, Socializing is fine until it isn't. Yeah, and that is very true in in our relationship. So parties and can be a whole nother bag of worms. Yuck for uh, for a neurodiverse couple. So you know how how do we what do we do about all this? Right, like how do how can I help you navigate some of the problems that we've encountered through our relationship? So. Some of the things we'll start with, we'll start with presents because that was the first thing we talked about. I always give Bill a, a list, right, of things that I would like. Is it quite as fun as getting something that he's thought of or whatever? No, uh, but I leave room for imagination. And a lot of the times he does really well. And if he doesn't, I, I don't say anything. Because I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want to stymie his efforts. And I want him to think that I am grateful for him to go out and do something that's completely unnatural and, in his mind, illogical. And just so everybody knows, since, she's, since she said that, I love the original Willy Wonka from 1973 and the song Imagination. Why, why are we talking about that? Because you said Imagination. Oh, good Lord. We could talk about that all day where Bill is, it's so awkward, but he just pulls out of the air something that has absolutely nothing to do with, with what we're talking about. I'm a nonlinear master connector. Yes, I know. But right now we need to be linear because we're trying to help people. So with, with gifts, you know, help your neurodiverse partner by giving a list. In the old days, I would say color size, shape. I would point things out. I would send links directly to whatever item, you know, help with stockings. Stockings were a big deal when I was growing up. My sister and I, we love them. So that was an area that was extremely challenging 
uh, for Bill, because those are little things that you have to be sort of creative with, and that it was sheer torture for him. So we worked through that with with lists and suggestions and examples. You know, lead by example. I would go to a lot of trouble, uh, for example, for his stocking, and that's a question I'd like to ask you too, Bill. Um, one year, Bill's really into being, uh, you know, prepared. And I went out and I got everything that I could think of for the stocking, small things that would be good for somebody who's into preparation, like, you know, matches that don't get soggy, that light and flints and uh, water purification tablets and just all those kind of things. And when we moved, I found almost all of those things that I had had in his stocking in the closet, never touched. And I'm wondering, why Why was that? Maybe you could show some light on that. Because the apocalypse hasn't occurred yet, but I had what I needed. So you already had what you needed before I got you those things? Is that what you're saying? No, you helped augment my existing stocks, but why would I use them now when I'm waiting for the apocalypse? Okay, all right. All right, well, I guess that answers that. Anyway, moving on to uh, parties. Parties. Oh, boy. So for us, one thing that that I've done is I limit how many parties I go to. Uh, Now that we're here in Florida, I don't know very many people, so there aren't a lot of parties to go to. But let's say when we were in Arizona, I had uh, quite a great friend circle, many of them people who like to entertain. I thought it was heaven. You know, Bill thought it was hell, even though he loves our friends. So we would compromise. Like one thing that Bill does that I actually find incredibly annoying, but is a helpful thing to do is what time are we going to leave? Well, when I go to a party, I'm not thinking about what time I want to leave. I'm going to a party and I'm like, woohoo, this is it. So we have compromised on that where... Let's just say we're going to a party at 5 o'clock. It's a cocktail party or something. I'll think, okay, 10 o'clock. We can leave at 10 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, you know, Bill will look at his watch and give me the signal, and that's it. It's time to go. And I have to be okay with that because I know for the last five hours he's been there at the party being stretched, you know, being doing his masking and mimicking and having to do small talk, which he hates, and all that kind of stuff, and I've gotten my fun, and I have to be satisfied that I got my five hours of a party. So we do a lot of that. When throwing a party, I used to be very upset with Bill because he wouldn't help me very much in throwing parties, and he's like, you're the one who wants to do the freaking party. And I sat down with myself one day and went, he's right. So when I want to throw a party, I know that I have to do the party 100%. That said, if I am careful with how many parties I plan, he will help. Sometimes I ask, and he nicely helps me. Sometimes I don't ask, and he nicely helps me. But in the old days, I would be you know, long before we found out he was autistic, I would be very upset because I'm in there slaving my ass off and he's not doing anything. And then 
he's wondering why in the world I would be mad at him when I'm the one who wanted to have the party in the first place. Would you like to throw in a comment on that one? Sure. I think that we, we've come to an agreement with that. And I, I do lend a hand. But you do. Some of the stuff you sure. ask is just so out of my logical bounds that if I participated in it, I'd be kicked out of Vulcan, so I won't do it. <laughs> there are certain limitations, uh, for sure. But we know what those are. And if I want to have a party, I go in it with the attitude of I'm throwing that party. I'm planning that party and I'm prepping for that party and I'm cleaning up that party 100% because I'm the one who wants the party. And if he helps me, woohoo, added bonus. But that's one of the ways that we have worked it. And uh, it's it helps a lot. And obviously limiting. I limit the amount of people that come to the party um, I limit the hours that the party continues because Bill gets tapped out. And once you get to know Bill, you know that there's a off and on switch. And when that off and on switch goes off, he's done. And I have to be accepting of the fact that he might just go to bed in the middle of the party. And I just have to go right along and enjoy myself and not worry about it because it's his choice. And our friends have learned to accept that sort of thing in the, in the parties in the past, long before we knew he was autistic, he would just leave the room and I'd be like, um, where's Bill? And he'd be in the corner reading. And I'm like, what are you doing? We're having a party. But he was tapped out, and he needed to regroup. He'd had enough people, and he was stretched too thin. And these days, if Bill's in the corner reading, you know, yeah, whatever you want to do. I'm out having fun with my friends and enjoying the party. He's spent his money for the party. He's more than likely helped prep food. He will help clean up. He's a nice entertainer. And I just have to accept those limitations. Is it maybe exactly my dream partnership of putting on a party? No. But does it work for us? And is it cause an awful lot less arguments and stuff? You betcha. Do you have anything else, honey, you'd like to add to that? I think it's been very nice the way you've accommodated time limits and you've been more patient about when I get tapped out of my neurostat is just shot that I need to step away and regroup with my own company because I cannot regroup with other humans like you can. <laughs> That's totally, totally true. And it's sort of also like along the lines of introvert, extrovert, right? Uh, I don't know a lot of neurodiverse people that are extroverts. I'm sure they exist, um, but most of the people that I know that are neurodiverse, they are definitely introverts. And I think that's one of the things that we have to recognize that they're introverts on an on a galactic level. And it's good for them that us extroverts pull them out and make them socialize and meet people and or they just be hermits forever. And it's also good, you know, I always say that Bill's here to pull me off the ceiling and I'm here to pull him out of the corner, basically. That's right. Yeah. So I hope that any of this sounds familiar to you. Uh, maybe you see yourself uh, and your partner and some of the things that we've talked about. Just a little recap. Uh, lists are good for gifts. Ex always lead by example. 
get thoughtful presents for your partner, whether they are able to do it for you or not, if presents are your thing. Um, spend time talking about it, communicating about it, showing things that you might like, maybe going through the internet, Amazon, and saying, oh, I really like this. I don't really like that. Because they're going to put that in their file folder, and hopefully it won't get (laughs) messed up. You know, uh, sometimes if you give too much information, that can be a problem too. But I like experiences. And one thing that I've done for the holidays is I'm taking Lilo on a two-day ideal to the local Ritz and we're going to have fun. It's like a three hour drive. Yeah. So experiences, that's another thing, things that you might like to do together instead of something material. I do love experiences. Those are excellent presents and surprises that make me feel honored. Uh, So that's another way to go about it. Maybe the two of you plan together some kind of little escape or some kind of activity that you both enjoy doing, and that is the present. And you both maybe put some, uh, throw some money at it from both sides uh, if you're a double income couple. So all of those things are ideas to help you come together as far as presents go. And again, on parties, just a little hint for parties is set time limits. Lower your expectations of participation from your partner. Always go with clear intention, maybe a plan. Oh, Bill and I are going to this party. Would you please, during this party, come back occasionally during the party and make sure that I am still exist or <laughs> that I'm having a, a good time? There's been a lot of parties where we've gone to, and Bill is off and running, and I never see him again the entire party. So I have to remind him that, oh, you know, I enjoy having connection with you as a couple during the party as well, not just as an individual. So he's learned how to do that. That's been very helpful. I hope that we've come up with at least a few tips. And if you guys have any more, please, goodness, uh, write to me, tell me, because I am throwing out as much information as I possibly can and tips and techniques that we have learned through the years, but I'm sure there's lots and lots more. Bill, is there any tip that you would like to throw out there for neurodiverse couples that are maybe not on the same page or even in the same book? If you both practice patience at all times and you're gentle to each other, things are going to do really well. Yes, you always have to keep in mind how much you love the other person and trying to understand their point of view. That is paramount for a long-term relationship, for any relationship, especially neurodiverse. There's a couple of things in conclusion I'd like to bring up. I am very interested in interviewing neurodiverse couples that might be willing to share their struggles and how they have or possibly have not gotten past their challenges of being in a neurodiverse relationship. If you are the least bit interested in being interviewed by myself and possibly Bill as well, please write me at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and we will set up a time to be interviewed. I feel like Bill and I still have lots to say, but I riff off of what other people contribute a lot of the time. And you guys might have something to say that I haven't thought of. 
I really appreciate you guys listening to our bloviations, and I promise to do more regular podcasts now that we are moved and the wedding is over. So all I want for Christmas is, well, what what is that? Do you want peace in your house? Do you want lots of presents that you may or may not particularly like or understand the motivation of? Do you want to have the experiences that you both enjoy? Um, Who's going to take responsibility for planning, wrapping, executing, all that? I mean, there's so much to think about when it comes to holidays and making them good for both parties. For me, all I want for Christmas is to be in the same book (laughs) that Bill is in, not even on the same page. I'll take the same book. Um, Because there were many years I felt like we were struggling so badly in our relationship at Christmas because of complete and utter misunderstanding of who we were and how we worked and all the emotions and memories that are attached to Christmas. And I feel like for the most part, after, what, 32 Christmases now, something like that, a lot, we have finally come to a place of peace during Christmas, for the most part. We're not perfect, but it's a whole lot better. Anyway, if you have good ideas on how to approach these challenges, please write me. I'm all ears. In the meantime, whatever you celebrate and however you celebrate, from Bill and I, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And thanks again so much for listening. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this has been Touching the Tism.